0: Today, we're continuing a s- our series called Reroute Your Thinking. It's a, been a great series. I hope that you'll go back and listen to it if you've missed some of the sermons. But our topic today, we're shifting towards Christmas. So what I want to talk with you about today is called Manger Moments. And I want to introduce it in a way that maybe you, you, you won't completely understand until we get later into the sermon. But what is a manger moment Well, you and I grew up with an ideal of what our lives should look like, right? We grew up with ideals. We said, oh, I like that. Oh, I don't like that. I'm not going to be a part of that. I don't want that to happen to me. We have ideals in our lives, especially when we were growing up, what our life should look like, what the person we we would marry would look like what the uh, how the your gifts and talents would be useful in the world you had dreams maybe of being a singer or a well-known writer or a musician or maybe even a movie star right and and things that you wish you would have in your future life how much money you would have don't you remember when you were a kid and you'd get those those things in the mail and the what it was, Ed McMahon, and, and you'd, you'd sit down, Publisher's Clearinghouse, that's what it was, right? And you'd sit there. I don't know about you, but oh man, this would be awesome. This is what I would do with this money. I remember feeling that way when I was a kid and you had these desires, the kinds of friends that you had, right? And, and what kind of job you would have. You had all of this ideal life ahead of you. Those dreams were good, but let me ask you, How do those dreams that you have had line up with what you have today? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Now I don't know what kind of ideal life you had in mind growing up, but I do know this: somewhere, at some times in your life, you had what we're going to talk about today—manger moments. Major moments are those times in your life when you feel most vulnerable, confused, alone, wondering where is God? If God is in this, where is He? Where's the blessing? Where is the favor? And major moments are those moments where it seems like the direction of your life is headed completely in a wrong direction or a different direction, at least, than what you had envisioned. The ideal life that you thought you would have, suddenly there's this major moment and you're like, what in the world? This is going a completely different direction than I ever thought my life would ever turn. You had major moments in your life. And here's what I want you to see, too, and this is, I believe, very important That God wants you to see as well. The major moments in your life are about you having an opportunity to love God. They're there for you to love God. So at these major moments, you have a decision to make. Am I going to become bitter and angry at God because of this situation? Or am I going to love God? In spite of the situation. And how you answer that question determines how you spend the rest of your life. And some of you can look back at those major moments as we get into it and understand more about what they are. Some of you will look back at those and go, "Whoa, that's where my life turned for the worse when God meant it to turn for the better. But I became bitter. I became angry and, and, and frustrated with God instead. I remember the first time that I met my late wife, Angela. The first time that I met her, I remember it like it was today. Walked into the back door of the church, and there she was. It was that glorious oh, moment. You know what I'm saying? She didn't know that the man of her dreams just walked in on her but I did and I knew it I can remember her hair how beautiful it was the smile on her face and now knowing her I knew I know looking back that that smile was a nervous smile because it was her first Sunday at that church her father came to pastor my home church and 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 that was the moment I knew and all of a sudden I started dreaming right This is what life is going to look like. I'm going to be with this woman for the rest of my life. I had no idea if she had a boyfriend, if she had anything. I just knew this is my wife. I remember that. And when we started dating, we had this ideal in mind. We would talk about what our future would look like. We would talk about the home that we would build. We would talk about the children that we would have. We would talk about all the stuff, you know, the white picket fence and whether or not we'd have dogs or not, which turned out to be a no but we talked about this life. And as naive young people, we didn't consider the major moments that we would face. We didn't consider the the, the God story that He had for us. We had our story in mind. We had our future in mind. But we weren't completely th- thinking at all, of, we weren't com- thinking at all about God's story, right? We're thinking about what we wanted, and it was a good story. It was a a good thought. It it wasn't like we were planning and plotting to do something horrible. We were going to be Bonnie and Clyde. It was a good life that we were planning. Mary and Joseph were just an ordinary couple with ordinary dreams, weren't they? Just ordinary, regular dreams. They just thought, you know what? They weren't asking for too much in life. They were excited, we're going to get married, we're going to have kids, we're going to have the white picket fence and dogs and all of it together. It's going to be a wonderful, wonderful life and everything's going to be fine. They had this ideal life. They wanted stability, they wanted happiness, they were hard workers. They knew how to do this life and it was going to work for them. But God's story for Mary and Joseph, their lives was completely different than what they envisioned. Now think about this. When Mary was born, God saw something different about her than what she grew up seeing. God looked and saw that her womb would carry the Son of God inside of her. God knew that. God looked at her and saw that the hands that came out of the womb of her mother, her hands would be the very hands that would hold God, that would feed God, that would feed, that would take care of this little baby. God saw a different story in her life from the moment that she was born. And for Joseph, it's the same thing. God looked at that man and he said, Joseph, you're going to take care of my son, He could see that as a baby. He saw his story. He saw his purpose for Joseph's life. And he also saw that Joseph would die a very young man considering. He saw his purpose, his plan, and his his meaning in Joseph's life. And in Mary's life is a completely different story than what they saw. You see, God's story for Mary and Joseph's lives was completely different than what they thought their lives would be about. How different is God's story for your life than what you think or thought it would be? And what you think your future looks like right now, how different is God's story for your future than what you're thinking about your future right now? Where is God going to lead you? What is God going to do in your life that's different than what you think? And you and I have to be ready for those major moments. And we have to decide now, how am I going to live the rest of my life? God's story or the story that I'm trying to fight for and I'm holding on to? And God says, you know what? That story, your story, is going to be full of bitterness and anger and frustration and hurt and pain. But if you'll let me, if you will turn your life over to my story, you'll let me. It's going to be awesome. It may have pain, but it's going to be full of meaning, so much meaning that it overrides the pain. And that's his promise. Now, some of you were very young when you had your first manger moment. And instead of, cultivating good dreams for your life. Instead, you didn't see good. Maybe you can't remember having good dreams about your future. Maybe you can't remember looking forward and saying, oh, I'm going to be married and I'm going to have a house and children and all the stuff that other people have. Maybe you never saw yourself like that. Not that that's the goal of life. That's the point of this. The goal of life is God's story, right? But maybe you never saw the good things. Maybe you never saw that good side of life. Maybe something happened very difficult early on in life. And instead of choosing to walk with God and trust Him through that and letting Him heal you and bring purpose and meaning from that into your life, you became angry or frustrated. Maybe you started drinking. Maybe you started using drugs or hanging out with the wrong people and difficult things happening all throughout your life. And and, and, and instead of going after the good and the healthy, you spent your life Living in pain and frustration. But here's the point. You're here today. You're here today. And you need to know that God has a different plan for you. And you need to know that God does have good plans for your life. God does have good purpose for your life. And it's different than what you think. Especially if you think that the rest of your life is just going to have to be endured. God says no. No. You don't have to just endure the rest of your life. It's time for you to believe that I have good plans for your life. It's time. God has something amazing for you, if you'll let him. Mary and Joseph, they thought they were just ordinary, but God knew he was about to do something extraordinary. They thought that they were just going to live a normal life. But God says, no. I've got more for you and some of you need to recognize that the more you face the struggles and pain in life and difficulties in life the more meaning god has for your life you say but john you don't understand all the pain that i've faced in this life you don't know where i've been you don't know what people have done to me you don't understand i may not but here's what i do know the more of that that you faced the more meaning there is for you And here's what you need to know also. Living God's story for your life is going to take a lot of rerouting your thinking. There it is. Reroute your thinking. All right. So you see, God's ways are higher than your ways. Do you believe that? God's thoughts are bigger and better than your thoughts, right? And so what does that mean? It means stop thinking. (laughs) Let him begin to think for you. Let him begin to do something in your life and trust him with what you don't trust. So in the Christmas story, there's so many times that Mary and Joseph have to reroute their thinking. And when threats come to you, if you're going to keep your sanity throughout this life, you've got to learn to reroute your thinking, especially in the manger moments, right? You're going to have to trust God. And looking back on your life in those most difficult and most unexplainable moments, that you're, you're going to have to turn those over to God and say, okay, God, I'm going to trust you with whatever that was. And you will see him turn what the devil meant for bad into something good. You will see that. So when we read the Christmas story, what does it look like in your home when, we read, when you read the Christmas story? Don't, don't you like wait until it's nighttime, and you dim the lights, and you've got the Christmas tree lit, and maybe a fire crackling in the fireplace, right? And everybody's there, and and it's like, okay, we're going to read the Christmas story, and it's going to be wonderful. It's going to be beautiful. This is the story about God coming to earth, and it's just wonderful, and it's beautiful. But if you were to sit down with Mary and Joseph and read the Christmas story to them, you're going to see people who are just absolutely going through some serious PTSD. Their eyes are going to be bulging, you know? I mean, they're going to be like, oh, that was horrible. That was an awful moment in our life. They're going to be having flashbacks. It's a difficult, awful moment in their lives. Anybody here like the story, uh, the movie, It's a Wonderful Life? I hate that movie. (laughs) I don't understand why anybody would like that movie. Because as a father and as a husband, you know, you've got to feed all of these mouths. You've got to provide a house to live in. Car, you got to provide all the stuff, toothpaste, deodorant. I always keep, I've told my boys, look, I'm going to stock deodorant always in my bathroom. You better wear it. You know what I'm saying? And they're, they're like in their 20s now, and they're still using the de- deodorant out of my... <laughs> We've got to provide all of that stuff. And that movie freaks me out. It's just, it's nerve-wracking. Oh, Why? Because we've lived it, right? We know what it's like. Imagine reading this story to Mary and Joseph. They lived it. It was scary. And Matthew records Joseph's reaction to finding out that that they were going to have a baby. I mean, God hijacked their lives. You understand this. He said, you're going to have a baby. <laughs> There's the baby. He hijacked their lives and Joseph finds out about this. And we read Joseph's reaction that Matthew recorded. And you see, Joseph had already paid what they called an endowment for Mary. And that means that they were engaged. She still lived with her parents during this period of time. And, and, and it was most likely, likely a year that you would work through that endowment. But they were legally bound to each other because money had been exchanged, so they were engaged. And in order for Joseph to deal with this situation, he would have to divorce her, which means there's public record of it. And the scripture says that when he found out that she was pregnant, he was going to divorce her. But he was going to do it quietly, right? And it just that's what we would do, right? So during this betrothal, though, she went and spent like three months with her, her her cousin Elizabeth who was who was pregnant at the time with John the Baptist y'all remember the story well Mary was pregnant she got pregnant and and, and then then it, then it reads as though when she came back that's when they then when Joseph found out and he was like oh my goodness this his life fell apart he's like you went out of town and you got pregnant this is awful and you can imagine how devastating It was for Joseph. This was a life-changing moment. All his dreams, all the desires, all the thoughts that he had to be with this woman, all of it was suddenly brought to a halt. Awful situation. And it doesn't really say how Joseph found out. It would really have been great if they had told us that story. But here's all it gives us. She was found to be pregnant. There is the bomb. And Joseph had to reroute his thinking because... God rerouted his life. Now, listen, there are going to be times in your life change is going to happen. The change in the direction of your life. You can fight it. You can complain about it. You can be angry with God. You can become a victim. You can run from it. Or you can just trust him and love him in the process. It's your choice. So God sent word to Joseph through an angel. He said, this is what I'm doing. I'm doing this. this is. <laughs> don't blame this on her. I'm doing this. You're going to have to listen to me. And listen, God will confirm to you that you're going to be okay if you'll let him. While you're in a difficult situation, if you'll let him, God will confirm to you. Most of the time, it's through a peace. If you will pray and ask God to give you that peace, then he's going to tell you, look, everything's going to be okay. I know about it. I care about it. Everything's going to be okay. And you can trust him with it. And God's message to Joseph was, look, you're going to be the guardian of my son. And God had another story for Joseph's life than Joseph ever dreamed. Suddenly, The direction of his life was changing, and it was way bigger than Joseph had ever imagined for his life. The responsibility that he would have imagine being told that you've got to raise God. That's a bit of responsibility. You've got to raise God from baby to adulthood. That is huge meaning and purpose in his life that he never planned on. He just wanted to run his own business and do his own thing, have his little wife and wonderful life. That's not what God planned. You see, God sent this angel to Joseph in a dream and he told him what he was doing, and God commanded and convinced Joseph to keep her as his wife. And Joseph did. But even so, everything would be different. No normal honeymoon. She's pregnant. They weren't going to have this time alone. They were having a baby. There wasn't going to be six months, a year, two years, four years before they could choose to have a baby. The baby was on the way, right? They were immediately responsible to feed and care for. Do you all remember what it's like caring for a little baby? Those of you who are older, <laughs> you remember what it's like? It's 24 7. Jacob said it great the other day. He said, man, through the night, you're like, oh, my God, have mercy. Please help us. But then in the morning when you look over and the baby looks at you and little Eli just smiles at you, he's like, it is worth it all. That's what raising a kid is like. And here's the story that will... This is the story that we sit by the fire and we sit by the Christmas tree and we read with such a great delight as though everything was so beautiful and wonderful. This is the story. Let me read it to you. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, Bethlehem, to Bethlehem, to the son of David, or the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. All right, so they've got to travel. So here's the problem: the government gets involved. Whew. Haven't we seen that in our own lives, right? The government says, you've got to get up and you've got to go and be counted in your hometown. So that's a problem. Why? Because she's very pregnant at this point. How frustrating it is when somebody tells you, you've got to do this. It was already a frustrating situation she's she's they load up and they move or they they, they go to Bethlehem that is and then they're going to get counted there when they get there normally when you walk into a, a town that that is that you're a guest in there are people waiting at the town gates at this time that would say hey why don't you come be a guest in my home I think you guys would fit in our house come on in we'll help you out well that didn't happen why because People from all over were coming into Bethlehem to do what the governor had demanded. And so the, ta- the, the homes were full. Everything was full. So they come into town. There's, and it's just, this is, this is God's story for their lives. Remember that. And verse 5, he went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him, to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. Seriously. Seriously. Seriously, God? What? You ever been on a trip like that? where the worst of worst happens, you can imagine him talking her into going, Mary, look, you're not going to have the baby. We're going to go there. We'll hurry up and we'll come back and everything's going to be fine. No, you don't understand. I've got my doctor here. I've got my midwife here. I've got the. I, I've, I've. gone to my Lamaze classes and I know how to breathe and they know what I'm supposed to do and everything's going to be, it's all planned out. I've got the epidural planned. Everything is going to be just fine if we stay here. And he's like, no, the governor says we got to go. So they get there and she's going to into labor. This is this is a nightmare. Absolute nightmare. God had a plan. Oh, thank you God. And then these words, verse 7, and she gave birth to her firstborn son. Imagine reading those words to Mary as she's having flashbacks. Those nine words. Filled with so much pain, filled with so much agony, filled with memories, filled with loneliness, the flashbacks of what that was like. Listen, people die while they're giving birth, even to this very day. And you can imagine what it was like for that woman. And look what it says, and we read this with such, and she wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. What? Wait a second we come to the point in this story where we get insight as to what happened throughout this day. <laughs> Suddenly we realize that there wasn't room for them anywhere else in the town. They were alone, and there was no place for them to go. There was no hospital. There was no place for them to stay. There wasn't a nice room. You can imagine what that looked like. Have you ever had to go to the bathroom and you couldn't find one? Oh, come on, folks. Or you go, and it's all full, or there's a long line, and you're like, oh, oh sorry. <laughs> you're like, oh, my God. <laughs> you multiply that moment times 100, and that's what you've got here. She's going to have a baby. She's pregnant, and she's about to drop this baby out, Right? This is a scary, scary moment. They're going all around town trying to find a place to be able to be, to have this baby. I mean, this is a scary, scary situation. Where can we go? What can we do? My wife is going to have a baby. Does nobody care? Sorry, sir, there's no room. But she's going to have a baby. Certainly, there's somebody that's frivolously staying in a room here. Can't we just push them out? Something. You can imagine, Joseph, scary, scary moment. So finally they find this cave. We're supposed to have God's blessing. Where's God's favor? What is God doing? He told us that this baby was his son. And what are we doing here? Why are we in this cave? I don't understand is crazy. Mary and Joseph were having a serious manger moment. You know, Laura Ashley talked about it earlier, but we experienced that this week. When you're in the ER, little baby, oxygen levels are in the early 80s. If you know anything, that's bad they said we don't have the capabilities of helping him here we don't have the tools we don't have the equipment we need to get him to an icu at a children's hospital and then they came back and said there are no rooms available in all of dfw are you okay if we look outside (sighs) whatever it takes finally they come back they metaflighted him to houston because there was no room in this area. And in those moments you are thinking, man, what in the world? Seriously? There's not one place that will take him. To, I mean, not even why? Does nobody care? No, there's just no room. And you're going to have moments in your life that don't make sense. You're going to have those moments where it doesn't add up. Where's God? There are going to be times in your life where it seems like nobody cares. That's really not the issue. It's just reality. And what you're having in those moments is a major moment. There's going to be a time where there's, the money is gone or your job is terminated. Or maybe you're suddenly alone. Nobody can do anything to help. And those moments in your life for those opportunities that I was talking about Where you're either going to shake your fist at God and be angry with Him, or you're going to say, God, I love you. I love you anyway. Though He slay me, yet will I trust Him. You see, that's what the manger moments are about. You need to remember in those major, major moments that God has a story for your life. And if you will trust him, and if you will love him through it, not only will you get through it, but you'll come out on the other side a victor and not a victim. And here's what you need to also remember. He's going to get you through it. He provided a cave, Right? I mean, come on, it wasn't a hotel, it wasn't a, it wasn't a hospital, it was a cave, but it's what they needed. Not only that, but he provided a manger. It wasn't a crib, it wasn't a clean bed, it was a horse trough of some sort, but it's what they needed. And when God planned the nativity, what was he thinking? Did he not foresee this? You better believe he did. He planned it. You see, God wrote that story well in advance. He didn't choose a nice home. He didn't choose rich people to be his son's family. He didn't choose a nice hotel where they could have partying and dancing for his birth. He didn't choose that. The nativity is perfectly intimate and simply romantic. And when you stop and see it from that perspective, as crazy and scary and awful as it was for Mary and Joseph, it was an absolute amazing moment for God. Why? Because here you have these two human beings that were scared, hurting, Felt alone, didn't understand what was happening. And when God came out, those two people held and swaddled that little baby, God, and loved that little baby in spite of their pain, in spite of the struggle, in spite of it being this horrible manger moment, they held God in their own hands. God's creation held him. For the first time, God was held and loved in spite of the difficulties, in spite of the pain, in spite of what they had gone through that day. God was held and loved for the first time in his entire life. That's huge. That's huge. You see, God was on a quest for true love. And he still is. He's looking for those who will love him. God wants and deserves to be loved by people that want to do for him. God wants that. And he wants it from you. So he did something special. He came as a baby and he allowed himself to be held and wrapped and swaddled and sang to by Mary. And it's still about love. God says, the only way you'll spend eternity with me is if you love me. Oh, wait, God, I I ask for forgiveness, and therefore I deserve it. It has nothing to do with love. This is a business deal. Nope. That's what it used to be. God said, no, that's not good enough. It's going to be about love. Do you love me? Do you love me? Will you hold me? In your manger moments, when you're scared and you're most threatened, will you love me? James David, would you come? And here's the question today. Is there room in your life for him? Is there room in your life for him? And here's another question. Is there room in your life for his story? Yeah, but John, I've got my plans, I've got my dreams, I've got my goals, and I've got my desires. Me, 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 me. How 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 well has that worked out? And I have a I have I have a question. What if? What if God gave you something like a baby that was not asked for? He just said, here you go. What would you do with it? There are certainly things in my life that I have not asked for. And there's one thing that happened that I'm not grateful for, at least not yet, but I trust him. And you can live your life shaking your fist at God for all that's happened to you, or you can live your life letting God's glory shine. And the major moments in your life are those moments when you feel most alone, most afraid, most misunderstood, most abandoned, most confused. And those are the greatest moments in your life for you to love God. And the question is, will you? At about 2.30 in the morning on January 16th this year, I walked into the hospital room the body of the woman that I had loved provided for worked hard for tried to find jokes to tell her that's hard work for a man cared for her for over 30 years and that body was lying lifeless and to my surprise as I tried to say bye to her Tried to find a way to connect with that body, and it just even though that was what I'd always seen her look like. Well, not what she looked like, but it was her body. There was zero connection. And I look back and I think, man, why didn't I just spend more time with, with her body? I, it's because she wasn't there. And it's hard for me to explain that unless you've experienced it. She was not there. She was, she was gone. And the doc said, man, she was gone in an instant. It was like somebody flipped a switch. And the scripture says she was in the presence of the Lord in an instant. Right? From the first moment that I laid eyes on her over 31 years ago in September of 1991, when I had the dreams and all the visions and all the wonderful plan for what our life would look like together, it was vastly different than reality. It's wonderful. We had a wonderful life together. We have wonderful children that you guys get to enjoy, right? Right? But what we didn't think about were those manger moments. And those moments, honestly, were the greatest opportunities for us to love one another and for us to love God through those things. Those manger moments were the glue that stuck us together. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) When people betrayed us, disillusionment, we went through financial hardship. Miscarriage. An F5 tornado ripped through our neighborhood. Our house burned in 2017. Family problems, chemo, all the cancer stuff, starting a church without. Church backing us, not notwithstanding our own problems and failures and struggles. We had a lot of miscarriage moments through the years, but that was the glue for us, right? But more than that, that was the glue in our relationship with God, because we chose to love Him instead of letting it all make us angry and bitter and deserving. And in those times, we had to choose over and over and over not to go that direction. No, we don't deserve. We just love God. And I stand today before you and I say, you know what? I'm not a victim of God. He may have hijacked my life a few times in this life, but I trust him with it. And I know that you can too. I know that you can too, if you will. And these are opportunities to love God in spite of pain. And so here's the test. The test of where you live for eternity is not, does God love you? The test is, do you love God? It's your choice. It's your decision. And if he hijacks your life and does something that is out of your plan and what you thought, you can trust him with it. And some of you are sitting here today and you look back on a situation that happened 10, 20, 30 years ago, and you've been angry and frustrated or maybe even bitter about it. Why would God allow that in my life? Why did he let that happen? Or why did he let me do that? And today's the day that you need to let that go and realize, it was a manger moment. It was an opportunity for you to say, "God, in spite of all of that, I love you anyway." And I'm going to trust you with that. And what happens is when you, when those things happen and you don't do it right, the trajectory of your life changes and it goes the wrong direction. And what God wants to do is take what the devil meant for bad and turn it into something good. But instead, when you didn't trust him, when you just you, you grabbed onto bitterness and anger, it went the wrong direction. God says, I still have a way to make something good out of that, if you'll let me. But you've got to let him. And it starts today. It starts today. Would you bow your heads? Here's what I do know: You're where you're supposed to be right now. And if you will turn all of those manger moments over to him, not only will he heal you, but he will bring great purpose from it. Will you let him? some of you need to forgive somebody. It's time to say, okay, God, I give them over to you. And I'm going to call this situation a manger moment from now on. I'm going to love you in spite of it. God, I'm going I'm to hold on to you. And I'm going to love you in spite of the pain that somebody caused me. I forgive them and I give that over to you. And I ask you for healing. And I know that you're going to bring something good out of it. Jesus' name. Maybe you're here today and you've never loved God. Today's the day. Yeah, but John, I've been religious. No, that doesn't cut it. The question is, you're going to choose to love Him. And that means that whatever pain that you've had, whatever struggle you've had, all of it That you turn over to him and you say, God, I love you anyway. I choose to love you. I want to get to know who you are, what you like and what you don't like. And I want to live the rest of my life in light of that. I want to accommodate for this relationship with you. Would you come into my life? Let me hold you. Let me love you. In Jesus' name. God, I thank you today for your love for us. I thank you. As we open our hearts to you, there's room inside for you. And God, we don't want to make you just a small part of our life. We want it to be all about you. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your cleansing. And thank you, God, for giving us purpose and meaning in our lives meaning for pain. Thank you, Father. We give you our lives and we worship you today. You're our God. Thank you for coming, Lord Jesus, into our lives. And God, I pray for the healing of those that need it today. As we turn our hearts towards you, God, joy would begin to fill our hearts and peace would begin to fill our hearts. Life again. A desire for a good life again. Dreams of good things again. To know that good is ahead because we're with you now. You're with us. Thank you, God. We believe in the future because you've created the future. We believe in your story for our lives again. God, you have good things in store for us to prosper us and not to harm us. That, God, even though we may fight and struggle through different, difficult times, that those major moments are there to love you. And we trust you with our future. We trust you, O oh God, with all these things. And we know that you have our lives in your hands. In Jesus' name. Come on. Do you believe that? Amen. Thank you, Father. Would you stand? Amen. Amen.